Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome right. to New York. Oh. This is is the Devil's Devil's State of of Mind Podcast, podcast. brought to you by the Hockey Hockey Podcast Podcast Network. Network. Now here's your host, host, Neil Villapiano! What is going on, Devils fans? It is, as always, your host, Neil Villapiano, and welcome back to another edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place to get everything you need to know about your new Jersey Devils. I hope you guys, as always, are having a fantastic day wherever you're listening to these podcast episodes. Thank you guys, as always, for taking some time out of your day to check these episodes out. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. This episode and everything we do here at the Hockey Podcast Network are sponsored by the awesome people at DraftKings Sportsbook. When you sign up for DraftKings, make sure to use our promo code THPN and tell them that the Hockey Podcast Network sent you. Folks, we have a, we have a, obviously, as we always do, we have a lot to talk about on this episode of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. The first thing we're going to discuss today is we're going to discuss the NHL and also the International Ice Hockey Federation's response to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. So we'll get into more details about that in just a few short moments. We're also going to be recapping the last two games the Devils have played against the Vancouver Canucks and the Columbus Blue Jackets. And there was a lot uh, to be happy about with regards to these two games. Even though the Devils split them, there was a lot of good that came out of it. And not just for the rest of the season, but also just looking again towards the future. And I know how frustrating it is, even for myself, to talk about again, I'll look to the future. But at the same time, it is somewhat exciting to see so much progress that some of these individual players have made, certainly over the last 10 to 15 games, that obviously gets you to feel excited and hopeful moving forward. So, as always, we have a bunch to talk about here on the Devil's State of Mind podcast. So let's not waste any more time and get rolling. So we're going to start 
on a much more serious note. And the first thing, like I mentioned just a few uh, short moments ago, is I want to talk about the NHL and International Ice Hockey Federation's response to the Russian attacks in Ukraine. Now, uh, for those of you that don't know, which it's kind of hard not to know, considering that this is a worldwide situation going on right now. About a week ago, uh, Vladimir Putin, the head of Russia, decided to send troops and attack uh, the country of Ukraine. And uh, a lot of people all over the world have responded in different ways, different countries, and obviously also, you know, with regards to, you know, sports in general. So uh, the NHL condemns Russia invasion of Ukraine and said Monday, this past Monday, it was suspending its business partnerships in Russia and pausing its Russian language, social and digital media accounts in response. Russia, led by President Vladimir Putin, began an invasion of Ukraine last week. It has drawn the nation global condem uh, condemnation and sanctions, including in the world of sports. The NHL also announced it would no longer seek to hold, quote, any future competitions, end quote, in Russia. The league sometimes holds regular season or exhibition games in Europe. The last time the NHL held an exhibition game in Russia was back in 2010. Now, here is the majority of the full statement that the NHL posted um, to their response to what's going on over in Ukraine. Quote, the National Hockey League condemns Russia's invasion of Ukraine and urges a peaceful resolution as quickly as possible. Effective immediately, we are suspending our relationships with our business partners in Russia, and we are pausing our Russian language, social, and digital media sites. In addition, we are discontinuing any consideration of Russia as a location for any future competitions involving the NHL. We also remain concerned about the well-being of the players from Russia who play in the NHL on behalf of their NHL clubs and not on behalf of Russia. We understand they and their families are being placed in an extremely difficult position. And yeah, this is something that uh, was certainly going to be brought up once we saw what was going on with Russia invading Ukraine. How does this affect the players that are over here in the National Hockey League um, that are Russian? And we haven't gotten a huge amount of response from Russian players, but we did get some we did get some quotes from probably the most recognizable and, and the biggest Russian star that we have in the game today, and that is Alexander Ovechkin. He said last week his first response was, look, I'm not a politician. This is not really my place to speak, but I just don't want war. Um, and then Russia, and then I believe Ovechkin spoke out in detail more about it later on in the week, saying that he was very, very upset with what was going on in Russia. And he's very, very, um, he, he feels very, uh, I guess, not necessarily embarrassed, but very angry to be Russian and to see this, this type of thing um, happening. And what is concerning for Ovechkin and for a lot of players in uh, that are Russian that play in the NHL is that they unfortunately have to walk a very fine line because of what Vladimir Putin is capable of doing. And he is capable of doing a lot of great harm to a lot of people, as we've heard in, in uh, previous uh, situations. You know, a lot of these players have 
family and friends that live in Russia, and they have to be careful not to say anything that could be really, really bad because Putin may do something horrific to family and friends of those players. So this is a very, very difficult time. And it really is frustrating, not just in the NHL, but just seeing in sports, a lot of people in this country, particularly, you know, from an American perspective, are, you know, completely ridiculing these players who really have nothing to do with this at all. And quite frankly, don't support it either. I don't know a single professional athlete that has come out and spoken about their their approval of this. Now, granted, is there the possibility that there is players out there that, you know, you know, are okay with what's going on in the world? There's always the possibility, but I think it's very unlikely. Pretty much all of Russia does not like Vladimir Putin and what he has done since he took over. Uh, but obviously with the way things are set up and the way that Putin tries to rule with an iron fist, uh, there's a lot of fear that goes on in that country, and people are fearful to say certain things in public because of the repercussions that themselves or their loved ones could face because of it. So as the NHL put, um, we understand they and their families, talking about Russian players, are being placed in an extremely difficult position. And I wanted to give more of a deeper understanding as to what they mean by that. The league, the NHL, after uh, acted after the International Ice Hockey Federation sanctioned Russia and Belarus, which is supportive of the invasion, which is really, really unfortunate to hear, banning both nations from upcoming world championship tournaments. And that has pretty big impact on a handful of Devils players slash prospects because Devils players like Yegor Sharangovich, as well as prospects Artur Gavras, Arseny Gritsyuk, Yegor Zaitsev, Nikita Ahoychuk, Shakir Mukamadulin, Zakhar Bardakov, and Daniil Misiul will not be allowed to participate in future tournaments. So obviously, guys like you know Arseny Gritsyuk were able to play in the Olympics, but they're not going to be allowed to play in any international ice hockey competitions against other nations around the world uh, for the foreseeable future. Uh, the IIHF did not specifically say when these sanctions were going to be um, lifted. So unless things change, which again, even if, you know, we don't hopefully get into a world war, which we are all fearful of, um, the hope, uh, the hope is, is that things get resolved and these players get an opportunity to play on the international stage. And again, you do feel for these players because they have nothing to do with this. If they're not supporting what's going on, they're in just a no-win situation at all. They can't, they can't say anything, and they, you know, unfortunately, are being or having things taken away from them that again um, they have nothing to do with, which is probably the very the, the most unfortunate thing. I know for somebody like Yegor Sharangovich, who Belarus nearly qualified for the Olympics, he would have been potentially even the captain of Belarus. Um, he's not going to be able to play an international competition. That probably takes him out of playing in the world championships after the season. Same thing with a lot of these young players as well. So this is, a again, a very, very difficult time in sports and certainly in the world for people who are of Russian or Belarus uh, dissent that again really have nothing to do with and don't support at all what's going on. Uh, suspension of all Russian and Belarusian national teams and clubs from participation in every age category and in all IIHF competitions or events until further notice. 
withdrawal of the 2023 IIHF World Junior Championships hosting rights from Russia. Russia was um, planning on hosting the, the 2023 IIHF World Junior Championships, and now the IIHF will look for another place, another country um, to host that event. These two actions have been initiated by the council in order to enable the IIHF to ensure the safety of IIHF championships and all participating players, officials, and fans. Russian NHL players themselves have come under fire amid the invasion, uh, particularly with goaltending great Dominic Hoshik of the Czech Republic recently arguing that the NHL should suspend the contracts of all Russian players. Yeah, this was something that was brought to my attention that I did see that uh, Dominic Hoshik has come out publicly and said that he feels the NHL should prevent these Russian players from playing and be forced to go back home, which is kind of a, a really, really extreme thing. Obviously, I don't expect the NHL to do that because, again, I just want to reiterate that as far as we know, none of the players of Russian or Belarusian descent are on board with what's going on in in, Russia, in Ukraine right now, they don't support this. They're not. They're not for it. They're very much against it, like the like the majority of the the rest of the world is. So, again, you're. It would be another situation of you're punishing people who have nothing to do with this situation. And again, a lot of these players have family and friends that still live in Russia, and they can't really speak out as freely as they want because they know of the repercussions that Vladimir Putin could certainly give to these people. And it's a very, very difficult thing. Some Russian NHL players have been critical of Putin, most particularly New York Rangers forward Artemi Panarin. You remember last year, Artemi Panarin spoke out about his dislike for Putin, and then uh, he had to leave the team, um, uh, Panarin did, for a while and go back to Russia to try to get his family to come over to the United States because Putin was trying to publicly hurt Artemi Panarin and, the, and his family and, and uh, loved ones, as we saw. Um, so again, this proves that Putin is very capable of doing a lot of harm to a lot of people. Others are avid Putin supporters, including Washington Capitol star Alexander Ovechkin. On Friday, Ovechkin, whose family still lives in Russia, said he's against war. So that's kind of the tough thing because Ovechkin for a long time had been a supporter of, Vlad of Vladimir Putin, but he does not want war to happen. He does not approve of what's going on over in Ukraine. So again, it's a very difficult situation and you really don't know exactly how these players feel and they're not going to speak about it. And I would say to reporters that I know that people want to ask these players these opinions, but you have to understand the situation that they're in and be respectful for the fact that they probably just don't feel safe to talk about it in public and let these public uh, opinions be known because they know that Putin's going to hear about it and he's going to punish these people. This is what he's done. In many ways, I hate saying it, and it's a very uncomfortable thing for me to say um, here on the podcast, but in many ways, Vladimir Putin is very much an insane human being. I mean, he has made countless threats. He has said publicly that if anybody uh, tries to interfere with Russia trying to invade Ukraine and take that country, that uh, they would be punished in ways that they've never experienced before, i.e. bombing. I mean, just absolutely being bombed in different things. And nobody wants that. And so the United States and other countries are very much in a tough situation. They're giving weapons and things like that, but they're not sending troops because they know what could happen in that situation. So again, 
at the end of the day, we are in a very, very scary time in the world. And again, this kind of shows that there are things that are obviously bigger than the game of hockey and sports in general. But again, it's very unfortunate that there's a lot of people that have nothing to do with this that are being that are suffering, uh, being punished, uh, dying many different horrific things and very sad things when they don't support and have nothing to do with what's going on. So the NHL, I'm sure they knew that they were going to have to respond to this. The International Ice Hockey Federation, I'm sure, had to respond to this as well. I'd be curious to know what the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, has to say about this from a, from a sports perspective um, and go from there. So it's a very, very difficult time right now. And all we can do is just continue to hope that things uh, do not escalate more and more. And we really get into a position that nobody wants to get into. And that is a full-fledged war. But, uh, and again, your, your hearts go out to the players in the, in the NHL who are, who are suffering, even though they have nothing to do with this. And I would try to ask you guys to be respectful and understand that these guys in many ways are not safe enough. um, you know, with regards to where they come from, they're not safe enough to speak about how they feel because they know the type of bad things that can happen to them and their families. So that's, that's the difficult position that we're in right now. And and the only hope is, is that things improve. And uh, right now things are not improving And my heart and my thoughts and prayers go out to the people of Ukraine, people of Ukrainian descent all over the world uh, who have family and friends who have you know, perished or, or having to leave their homes and go to other, you know, neighboring countries to try to stay safe. Um, Ukrainians who are in subway, who are underground in subway stations, just trying to survive. I, I, I feel absolutely horrible that uh, all these people are suffering. And uh, again, my thoughts and prayers go out to all those people because this is a very, very difficult time. And um, all we can do right now is hope. That's probably the best thing that we can do right now. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN Redline 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit CCPG dot org slash chat in new york call 877-8-hope-ny or text hope ny to 467-369 so i know this is a very difficult transition because of what i just spent the last 15 minutes talking about and how serious it is especially you know involving the entire world around us but we did obviously 
you know, we're, we're here to also talk about some hockey. We're here to talk about the Devils and uh, recap some games that we had over the last couple of days. And so I want to do that. I want to try to end this episode on a high note. I don't like, you know, having these episodes end on a low note like that. But again, I felt like it was necessary for me to speak on it and, you know, give my whole piece about it and give you guys an explanation in more context about what really is going on surrounding Russian players in the NHL, as well as the whole situation going on in Ukraine. But we're going to try our best to shift to a more lighter, positive thing to talk about. And again, it's it's the recaps that we always do. The first one we're going to talk about is the Devils game on Monday uh, against the Vancouver Canucks. Last game of February, Devils looking to redeem themselves after their crazy loss that they had to the Chicago Blackhawks on Friday. It's another one of the Battle of the Hughes brothers, Jack versus Quinn Hughes. I know before the game they had a bet to basically say whoever wins um, – the loser has to like paint, uh, I think their parents' house or something like that. So it was kind of a very funny side bet. And I'm sure obviously all of us here in Devil's Nation desperately wanted uh, Jack Hughes to be the winner of that. This is also the first time in 841 days that the two teams had faced off. So again, because of the pandemic and last year not being able to play against any team other than the teams within our own division, it is crazy to think about how we're starting to see teams that we haven't seen in uh, in nearly a year and a half. It's crazy to think about that we're still in that position, but hopefully moving forward, that won't be the case. The Devils were also celebrating Black History Month with another one, another tremendous special warm-up jersey. This one was actually designed by P.K. Subban. Uh, the crest was just NJ, but it was in all black with, with different players' names and different faces like Willie O'Ree, Bryce Salvador, uh, Vigneault as well, who played for the Ranger, who uh, played for the Devils at one time. Uh, Valiquette, excuse me. It was very, very awesome. I think it was one of, if not the best, warm-up jerseys. We, it's really funny to think about how we, a lot of us don't approve of the black, you know, the third black jersey that we have, but we have been killing it this year with warm-up jerseys. And I may do an episode where I rank them all at season's end, so stay tuned for that one. But these jerseys were phenomenal. Just like with all the other warm-up jerseys, they're going to be going up um, or probably already up for sale for auction. So if you magically have, you know, hundreds of or even thousands of dollars, you can auction on that. And I, and I do agree because I did see – I did see one fan comment this when the Devils posted again that these jerseys were going to be on auction. Is that too bad that these jerseys, uh, that if you don't have a lot of money, you're not going to be able to auction for these? And I, and I do understand that all the money goes to charity. I totally get that. But at the same time, you know, a lot of fans like myself and other people that I interact with, we will never really have the money to afford these. And it would be cool if the Devils could just sell an extra set of these, you know, on their website or something like that. And you could still have people, you know, pay money that could go right to charity. I think that would be a good idea. That would be a good marketing um, plan. But I obviously don't think that will ever happen. But still, it would be cool if... Uh, more regular i wouldn't i don't want to knock on any fans who you know have the money and spend on it but you know the regular middle class type fans who you know spend money to sit up in the nosebleeds every game it would be nice if they even got an opportunity to try to get these jerseys because i think that they're very very cool and uh, they all go to a good cause at the end of the day which i think is important but uh 
those were some of the points that I wanted to make prior to the game recap. Now, as far as the game is concerned, the Devils had another one of those wild games that they really dominated for, I would say, almost the entire game. They came out flying in the first period, scoring not one, not two, but three goals in the first period from Jack Hughes, his 16th of the year, Sharon Govich, his 13th of the year, and Dawson Mercer, his 13th of the year. And it was three nothing Devils after one. So you got to feel good after 20 minutes. But again, we still have to get to the second period. And you were hoping that the Devils would not have another collapse and another horrible second period like they've had in games past. Uh, they did end up the Devils giving up two goals in the second period, but they ended up outscoring the Canucks in that period as they added three more goals in that second period. Boquist on a breakaway got his fifth of the year. Adam Graves off a deflection in front getting his fourth of the year. And the red hot Jesper Bratt getting his 19th of the season. So he is now one goal away from becoming the first Devils 20 goal scorer this season. And after two periods of play, was six to two devils. And I remember posting on the on, my, on Devil State of Mind social media at Devil State on Twitter and at Devil State of Mind on Instagram that guys, for the first time in a long time, we actually outscored an opponent or actually won a second period. And that was kind of a funny response from a lot of people. I remember one person said, Oh, thank you, sweet baby Jesus, that we did that. But again, going into the third. I felt very confident the Devils were going to win this game. I think that at that point, they'd gotten through every single hurdle. They had knocked out uh, Yaroslav Halak, who started that game and forced Thatcher Demko to come in. And the Devils were just able to simplify everything in the third period, not really give the Canucks any sort of life or chance to get back in this one. They would add the Devils, would add a seventh goal in the third on on the eighth goal of the year by Dougie Hamilton, who was playing in his first home game since December 31st. So I'm sure it was great for Dougie Hamilton, who just recently got back in the lineup to get himself on the score sheet. Great feed, I believe it was from Mercer to Dougie Hamilton, and he was able to knock it in. They sent a one-time wrist shot and scored on Thatcher Demko. The Devils ended up scoring at least one goal in all three periods, and they would go on to a decisive 7-2 to victory. And ladies and gentlemen, the Devils' last five wins have come by scoring six or more goals. So I think it's been pretty easy to say at this point that the only way the Devils win games now is they have to score six or more goals, which, honestly, you got to feel good about that because you're starting to see the offense really, really get going and really start to showcase itself. Now, if we could get some good goaltending like we did in this game with Nico Dawes giving up just two goals, earning himself another victory, which is obviously important, um, you know, we'll go from there. And again, if this is the offense we're going to see moving forward, even into next year, then it's going to make it easier to try to find another goal scorer, you know, via trade or free agency to help out the top six and certainly allow us to have even more focus on, you know, on just improving that defense and certainly goaltending to make this team more balanced. Also, with this win, the Devils have now won 12 straight, 12 in a row against the Canucks. This has been one of the teams, the Devils, for a long time. Even in, in earlier years, they've had a ton of success against. So it's kind of funny how that they just seem to have the Canucks number. Now, the Devils, I believe, are going to be playing the Canucks in the second game of this two-game series for the year later on this month, I think right after the trade deadline. So be interesting to see how much different these two teams are by the time we get to that point. Maybe they uh, they do indeed um, make a deal. I know 
that the, the uh, Canucks president and GM were at the game in New Jersey. So th- I think that's something to keep in mind moving forward. Also, I found this statistic. In the last five Devils wins, the Devils have scored an incredible 34 goals in that span, which is the most they've scored across five wins in a row or five wins uh, in general in franchise history. So again, that just shows that things are improving offensively. The Devils are really starting to showcase the offensive firepower that they do have within the system. And that, again, just makes you feel more and more excited for the future. And Jack Hughes ended up with his fourth straight multi-point game and the only other players to have a streak longer than his at 20 years old or younger are Patrick Laine and Steven Stamko. So that's pretty good company. And again, it just showcases what Jack, how much Jack Hughes has developed and how much better he's getting. And again, just shows you what excitement he's going to bring moving forward. And I know some people have said, just wait till he gets his first 100-point season. I hope that's the case. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing what Jack Hughes can bring to the future um, here with the New Jersey Devils. And lastly, I wanted to recap the Devils game uh, the very next night, second of a back-to-back, in Columbus, taking on the Columbus Blue Jackets' final game of the season against the Columbus Blue Jackets. So the Devils were obviously looking to try to get themselves the season um, the season, uh, what, what do you call it? Like winning the season series. That's what I'm basically trying to say, which is important, especially against uh, divisional bows. Devils also looking for back-to-back wins, something that at times has been difficult for the Devils to do. I should also mention that this game was uh, strictly on ESPN Plus, which that's my first, like, you know, kind of ugh moment. Like, it, it, I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Like, ESPN has done a really piss poor job of promoting the game of hockey um, on its networks. And whenever we have like these major games um, or want to have the ESPN game of the day or the night, it's always going to be an ESPN plus we've had maybe four or five games in total that were legitimately on ESPN and not on ESPN plus. So again, it it just kind of shows that the, that ESPN wanted to get the exclusive, well, not the exclusive, but wanted to get the major broadcasting of live any of live, Uh, national games uh, but they still were going to treat hockey um, very very um, very little they were going to treat them not very good I mean they they cover major league soccer more than the NHL I mean that's just being very very honest so wasn't thrilled about that because again if you don't have ESPN plus then a lot of people are forced to find a legal stream or just don't watch the game at all because they can't and I should also mention, and I know people had their thoughts about this, that uh, Leah Hextall was the play-by-play voice for this one. AJ Malesko, who I think is a tremendous uh, color commentator, very, very good analyst. She was the color commentator for this one. But talking about Leah Hextall, look, at the end of the day, I am somebody who definitely 100% uh, supports and uh, actually is for women being more involved in the game of hockey in different routes, whether whether that's as a coach, potentially GM roles, high executive roles, and of course, um, broadcasting and playing as well, of course, uh, and broadcasting. Um, But I will say that my biggest issue with Leah Hextall is that she pronounces a lot of names incorrectly and she does it consistently. And that, as somebody who's a broadcaster myself, is very frustrating. And I know for a fact that I mispronounce names as well, but I always try my best to uh, correct myself um, and uh, I do apologize all the time to let you guys know. 
Um, and, and you've heard me apologize before on the podcast when I've mispronounced somebody's name or things like that. Um, but it just, and also the high pitch when she says scores is, is not, it's not great, but it also could be just because that's her voice and that's just what it is. Um, but I will say this, I am not going to sit here and completely, um, insult Leah Hexel like I've seen people do um on social media I will just say she's um I'm not the biggest fan of hers you know I obviously know that she's very very bright with the game of hockey um but there's just little things like I just mentioned that uh irk me a little bit but I'm just going to leave it at that but again I want to reiterate and be very clear that I 100% support people like Leah Hextall and giving women more opportunities to be involved in the NHL, in the NHL, and certainly in the game of hockey, 100,000%. But going uh, to the game recap, Devils went back to Nico Dawes in this one, which I thought was the good, was, was the right decision. I felt like the Devils should have done that when they faced Chicago last week, should have stuck with the hot hand. But I think Lindy Ruff maybe learned from that mistake a little bit and went with Nico Dawes. And it's a good point because Nico has been playing very, very well in net of late. He's starting to get more confidence. The team seems to feed off of his confidence and has had a, a decent amount of success, certainly scoring um, when Nico Dawes has been in net. So I felt pretty good going into this game that the Devils gave themselves a good opportunity. The biggest question mark was how much did the Devils have in the tank after scoring seven goals the night before and playing the night before against a more a, a fresher Columbus Blue Jackets team. Well, the Devils did not look like that they were out of energy because just 54 seconds in, the Devils scored on the power play. It was a scramble in front of the crease. The puck ended up being knocked in by the back stick of Elvis Merzlikens and in, and they gave the goal to Jack Hughes because I guess that they thought he was the last to touch it. And it was crazy because they originally said it was Bastion. Then they gave it to Nico. And then they they officially and finally gave it to Jack Hughes. So for Jack Hughes, that's his 17th goal of the year. I think that's also now what a five or six game point streak. So he's obviously continuing to be red hot right now. And the Devils continued to dominate through the first 10 minutes. At one time, it was 14 to 6 um, in favor of, or 14 to 7 in favor of the Devils on shots on goal. But you guys know, because if you listen to the podcast long enough, you know how much I feel about, honestly, when you're <laughs> with shots on goal, that it, 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 it means a lot more with what you do with the opportunities when you get them. Um, and the Devils, after the first uh, 10 minutes, kind of fell back, allowed Columbus to slowly but surely get their legs under them and started creating some opportunities. And then there was a situation where um, Colin White got hit, uh, and it looked like to me it should have been a penalty, um, but it wasn't. P.K. Subban tried to go over and, I guess, start something, but he left Christensen wide open on the left side. He got a nice feed from, I believe it was Voracek, and Christensen beat Nico Dodge short side to tie the game up at one getting his first National Hockey League goal, which seems like a typical uh, thing for the Devils to do. Um, and the Devils would end up surrendering another goal just about three or four minutes later. And after one period of play, despite the Devils being the better team, they were down two to one. And then both teams would trade a goal in the second period. Boone Jenner, Devils killer, uh, got himself a goal, made it three to one. Nico Heischer would get one back, his 15th of the year, and that made it three to two. And that's where we were after two periods. And then we get to the third. And the Blue Jackets once again grabbed the two-goal lead on a tremendous individual goal by Patrick Liney. He got the puck at the blue line. He just did a great job of deking over Damon Severson, just kind of, 
you know, getting the puck, lifting his stick over Severson. Severson ended up colliding with one of the Devils defensemen. I forgot who it was on that play, but he collided with with somebody, got deked out of his shoes, and then Line beat uh, Nico Dawes far side for a tremendous goal by Patrick Line. It was a great goal. He is a goal scorer, as we all know. And we've talked about many a times on the podcast, and he showcased again why with a very, very nice goal to make it four to two. But the Devils would on would fight back, and I really did like the fight from the Devils at the end. Zaka added himself a goal, his 13th of the year. Been a while since he's uh, gotten himself on the score sheet. Devils ended up having a power play at the end of the game with a six-on-four advantage. They had a couple of good shots on goal, but at the end of the day, they could not get another one past Merzlikens, and the Devils ended up falling in this one in regulation in a close one by the score of four to three. So I'm not really that upset. Obviously, I'm always going to be upset that the Devils lose because you don't want to see your team lose. But I look at that game and I say, you know, they scored seven goals last night, one in convincing fashion. They still ended up adding three more goals in this one. They were probably a little bit gassed from playing the night before, but still they had a valiant effort. And you know that in those type of games, if we were at full strength, I think that we give ourselves a much better chance to win those games. But, you know, it's it's easier said than done because of the situation that we've been in. And, uh, you know, hopefully in the future we can start winning those, those type of games and uh, it will really help turn this team around. 100%. So with the loss, the Devils end up losing the season series to Columbus 2-1. Uh, to one. The Devils also fall to 19-30-5, which now is for 43 points. Luckily, they are now a point in front of the Flyers, so they're not in dead last in the, in the Metropolitan Division anymore. But I did want to end on a very, very impressive note and just talking about some specific players. The Devils have now scored, at the time of this recording, 40 goals in the past eight games. So again, the offense has really, really started to pick up and we're starting to find that competitive balance where if we have had decent goaltending, we're going to win a lot of games and not only win a lot of games, we're going to win them in convincing fashion like we did against Vancouver on Monday because we have goal scoring in many different ways. Once you allow these guys to just play hockey and allow them to showcase the skills that they really have. In that eight-game spam, Jack Hughes has 12 points, Sharon Govich with 11, Jesper Bratt with 8, Nico with 11, Mercer and Severson both with 9, Jesper Boquist, who continues to do a great job since he got recalled up, has 5 points, and Siegenthaler has 4 points, including his first goal as a devil, which he got last Friday in Chicago. And then talking about Nico Dawes, he is 2-1-0 in his last 3 games and has stopped 102 of the 109 shots he has faced. So Nico Dawes for this little stretch here has been arguably our best goaltender um, in quite some time. And it is somewhat of a breath of fresh air to feel pretty confident for a young guy that Nico Dawes is having this success. And I will say this, that I think Nico Dawes is giving himself a very, very good chance to be really considered to be one of the long, long tenure Devils uh, goalies for the future, and especially give himself to be part of the starting uh, roster for the start of next season with the way he's played in this one. And he's certainly going to end up going back down to Utica at some point. I do believe that the Devils are going to probably find a way to get another NHL goaltender. Who that might be, I don't know. Uh, but they look to be probably trying to get an NHL goaltender to just finish up the rest of the season to allow Nico to continue to have success and play down in Utica and go from there. But 
Those are some of the guys that have really, really played well and have been some of the bigger uh, reasons that we've gotten as many goals in the last eight games um, as we did. Again, 40 goals in the last eight games. So we'll look to try to continue to score goals in bunches moving forward. The Devils are off on Wednesday and then obviously off on Thursday as well. And their next game will be Friday night at the Garden taking on the New York Rangers. So another uh, an opportunity to uh, get some points against arguably our most hated rival and a very talented New York Rangers team. It'll be, a, it'll be a good matchup. It'll be an exciting one. And I'm looking forward to that one as always, the Battle of the Hudson River. But again, at the end of the day, guys, you're starting to see this offense rolling. You're starting to things, you're starting to see guys, you know, really coming into their own and pieces are starting to really, really be formed. And uh, the hope is, is that we continue to build with this team, whether through, you know, our, our, um, our farm system or making trades and free agency moves moving forward so that we can really, really start getting to be that much more of a competitive team in the future.